I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We've got a, a whole bunch of celebrity chefs have come down here. They're just making pancakes for us as the episode goes on. Anthony Worrell Thompson's here. Gary Rhodes. Gordon Ramsay's here. He's, he's making the savoury ones. You enjoying the show so far, Gordon? Well, that's certainly a strong opinion. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello, and a very warm welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield, and I'll be your host tonight... And with me in the studio, it's a unique privilege to be able to welcome Tony Kerr. It's not every night you get this, is it? Just once a week. Once a week, that's yeah. enough probably for everyone. 52 times a year. <sighs> How are you? I'm very well. Are you well? I'm very well. Do we find you well? Yeah, on this on this Tuesday night, you find me well. It's, it's not just any Tuesday night though, Tony, is it? It's Pancake Tuesday, Pancake Day. Arguably the best day of the year, would you say? It gets considerably less exciting every year that passes. Is this our Pancake Day special? I guess it'll have to be. They don't have this in every country in the world, do they? Pancake Day. And I feel sorry for those people in, I don't know, Brazil. Does Brazil have Pancake Day? They've probably got other better days there, haven't they? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, carnival. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's quite a good day. I guess Pancake Day kind of is our carnival. Very modest, isn't it, Pancake Day? It's a kind of celebration. Uh, you know, Americans have pancakes every day. Yeah, for breakfast. And we have on, uh, you know, in mid-February, one day of the year where we're allowed to have pancakes. As I understand it, it is illegal to have pancakes on every other day of the year. But I, I don't ever have pancakes. Occasionally, very occasionally, have American pancakes, maybe once a year on another special occasion. But yeah, I would never have... I used to, when I was a kid, have pancakes more often, but now I haven't had... Although you, we do, you, I was going to say, you say, say this. We, we regularly go, go... At least once a week, <laughs> we, we go to the local crepery. Once a week, we go to a crepery and have pancakes. <laughs> pancakes for lunch or dinner. Yeah, so that was all a lie, I mean, wasn't it? Like, that I rest- can't believe I forgot that. And we went today. <laughs> I was so, going to yeah. say, we went for lunch today. That restaurant sponsors our five-a-side <laughs> football team. Like, it's very much a large part of the fabric of our lives, the fact that we have pancakes all the time. I mean, a lot of what, a lot of you know, our identity we base on pancakes. It's actually true. Like, this restaurant is very close to our old school, where we went to school. So we used to, we used to go there for lunch. And yeah, now, like, you know, we've got great, great rapport with, uh, with the people that run it. You know, they know our names, they know our orders, they know exactly what we they want. Know everything. So yeah, it's, so it's like this massive part of our lives that we have pancakes all the time. And Tony is now trying to claim that he never has, <laughs> that he never has pancakes. It's Lent tomorrow, Tane. You giving anything up for Lent this year? No. You say that like it's a real kind of forceful view of yours that you shouldn't give things up for Lent. Don't really see the point in it. Well, you're giving up meat, aren't you? I am giving up meat. Which you did last year. Yeah. Pointless, really. Why do you say pointless? Well, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Just get... Why the need to use Lent as a as a motivation? Just get motivation elsewhere, you know? Yeah, Just but, get it off your own back. Yeah, I know what you mean, but at the same time, like, if Lent wasn't there, then it probably wouldn't happen. But it's not about, like, trying to get healthy or anything. It's just, like, can you give something up that you have all the time. So people give up chocolate or give up alcohol or whatever, something that they have all the time. And it's like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll deny myself that. Would you reflect for a period on that at the end of Lent? Uh, what do you mean? Did, what did, you, did you reflect on your meat abstinence last year at the, at the Easter period? Yeah, because, you know, it was, it was a, you, it was mean, a challenge. You, yeah, like, what, what conclusions did you draw? It was, it's genuinely, like, it's quite a difficult thing if you're someone who eats meat. It is a bit of a challenge to give it up. And it's a really, it's a reasonable period of time as well. It's not too long. But it's long enough that you actually have to change your life for a period of time. Uh, and yeah, it was, just, it was interesting to see whether you can do it. And also it gives me the opportunity by giving up meat to just get like really self-righteous about lentils and things like that. So yeah. from tomorrow, 
expect me to just be banging on about aubergine and things like that. <laughs> I think in response to that, I might just go on a meat feast for the next, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the next few weeks. Well, someone's got to eat the meat that I'm not. Well, exactly. Eating, yeah. That can't, we can't let it go to waste. No, I'm not going to be giving anything up. I can think of quite a few things that you should give up. Betting. Yeah, I'm just going to bring more things in there. Just take more things up. I'm going to take things up. What are you going to take up? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> well, you've got four and a bit hours. Plenty of t- bags of time. To figure it out. Bags. Would you like to know what's coming up on the show today? I was Tony? starting to think you'd never, you'd never say. Write this down. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about the 2020s in New Zealand. There have been two. It's been a fluctuating series. Tony claims to have done some statistical analysis. He's come to the studio bearing a sheet of paper. Not dissimilar, though, to much of the work I produce at school. Uh, it kind of starts well, <laughs> but then it really just tails off towards the end. As I, th- I feel like I've got enough credit for what I've already done that I, I can just kind of let it fall. You really hit it hard in the opening line. Well, the introduction is stunning. And then, and then the you conclusion, figure... The conclusion's like non-existent, basically. <laughs> Normally you bring a laptop, but this week you've brought a sheet of paper and your phone. So instead of... It's a different approach. So instead of looking at a laptop, you're just looking at your phone screen. So, I mean, you claim to be sort of getting the scorecards up and stuff, but really it just kind of looks like you're texting, just on uh, Bebo, seeing what's new on uh, BuzzFeed. Oh, he's, sh- he's shown me his phone. It does appear to be a scorecard, but yeah. it's all very well that you can show me that now. <laughs> England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England. Now, England are bang in the middle of a 2020 series in New Zealand. As we're recording this, I don't know if we mentioned, but it's Tuesday night. It's Pancake Tuesday. It's Tuesday night, and the, the second game was played today. It's poised at one all. Uh, the first match was played in Auckland, uh, and England ran out very comprehensive winners. They made uh, a record score for them, 214 for seven in their 20 overs. Runs all the way down, but notably from Luke Wright, 42 off 20 balls, and Owen Morgan, 46 off 26 New Zealand ended up falling 40 runs short, 174 for nine. Four wickets for Stuart Broad, he bowled very well, four for 24 and three for 39 for Steve Finn. Wright was named man of the match after taking two for 29 as well. That was a very convincing win for England and it it sort of looked like they were much the stronger team, but it was completely the other way in Hamilton where the second match was played. This time New Zealand pulled off a massive victory. They made 192 for six from their 20 overs. Some late hitting from Brendan McCullum, who made 74 from just 38 balls with five sixes, got them up to that total, which always looked pretty steep. Uh, and England were in desperate, desperate trouble at 24 for three. Uh, and they never really recovered from that. Eventually all out for 137, despite Joss Butler's 54. James Franklin took four for 15. Ego Tone, how about this? How about this for a headline? England flattened on pancake day. It's good, mate. That is good. I could work for the sun, couldn't I? I bet you wrote that yesterday as well. Just, <laughs> but you, what was your other headline? New Zealand flattened on <laughs> Pancake Day. That was going to be the alternative. Uh, that's only the second time that England have ever lost a 2020 international against New Zealand. I think they've won six and lost two now. Strange couple of games. I mean, I know that 2020 is 50-50, but it's seldom so dramatically 50-50. Yeah. It seldom swings so dramatically. Uh, from one team to the other in the space of just three days. Because, I mean, yeah, England were absolutely brilliant in the first. New Zealand were pretty woeful, dropped loads of catches. Fielding in general was awful. Completely the reverse situation three days later. New Zealand were brilliant. England were awful. I mean, is that just because 2020 is 50-50? You know, anything can happen. Or are these two teams, England and New Zealand, are they maybe... Um, particularly susceptible to you know appalling lapses in form at the moment. Yeah, it's possible. I mean that you know Broad goes from taking four wickets uh, to taking naught, taking naught at an economy of thirteen. That's kind of the split, isn't it, in performance that we're talking about? Difficult to say. I've, I've gone back. You know, I've poured over the stats. Adam, is this is this your sheet of paper? I've poured over. Yeah, when I, when I say poured over, uh, I mean I've, I've I flicked around Crick Info for for ten minutes or so this <laughs> afternoon, right? Uh, just to see what's been happening. But, uh, but I think yeah, I think you know last week I was saying that I just don't see how you can't predict if you arrange a three uh, three match twenty twenty series, you just simply cannot predict any other result than two one to the slightly better team or the superior the slightly superior side. There you go. This is I've gone back all the way to June of last year. Blimey! If you can imagine that. <laughs> uh, that's a long way, mate. That's that's twelve series. Extraordinary amount of work. <clears throat> this is. <laughs> this I mean, this is a life's work. Right. Uh, no, but I mean, basically, though, what I've proved uh, through facts and figures is that 
sorry, before you yeah. get going, can you please set out? I want first of all, you've done your introduction, but I want aim, method, aim. hypothesis, <laughs> hypothesis. <laughs> what else is there? Uh, results, procedure is in there somewhere, Cri- isn't it? Uh, what's the self-criticism or something? What's the uh, evaluation? Evaluation. Okay. Well, hypothesis is yeah. all twenty twenty series are either drawn or won by a single game margin okay method flicking around <laughs> the crick info method going back to june 2012 uh on crick info right uh results do you yeah well i mean basically going back as far as june there have been 12 series 2020 series played most of two matches but four or five of three matches but anyway of those 12 and i've included the england new zealand series in that because that barring a washout will go to a 2-1 uh seven of those have either been drawn one all or have been won two one. Now, of the ones that haven't, New Zealand and India last September, New Zealand won it one nil, but the other game was washed out. The only result that was a white, or the only two results that were white washes, Bangladesh in Ireland uh, last July, Bangladesh won three nil. But there's a slight caveat to that in that Bangladesh won, uh, Bangladesh won the second 2020 by a single run, uh, and the third 2020 by two wickets on the final ball. So yeah, very tight those. And then the other one was New Zealand West Indies, which was uh, West Indies won two nil, uh, but that was in the US. So I don't know. That, I think you can remove. That's an outlier, isn't it? <laughs> you can really get rid of those. Perhaps get rid of that too. Pretty much all. Of the, the only result then that I'd say is a legitimate kind of whitewash was Sri Lanka in Australia two nil. You'll make a bureaucrat thing because you, yeah. you're able to kind of massage the statistics <laughs> in any way you like and just ignore the exceptions. Now, obviously. Comparing that to test series and ODI series that have been played, there are a lot of ODI series, uh, five games. Also, test series tend to be three, four, and there's a, there's a couple of five five test series, you know, going doing the rounds, I guess, in international cricket. So maybe maybe if these were four or five game series, we'd see more one sided series results. But nevertheless, I, you just don't seem to get whitewashes. You know, you'd expect in any of the seven that were clear-cut one-alls or two-ones. Uh, you'd expect maybe more to have gone to, for example, in a two-game series, you'd expect more to go to 2-0 if it wasn't 50-50. I think that's so right. Much. I think, yeah, so, I mean, the conclusion that you're coming to is that... The conclusion that is that it is, you know... It, it, it's not 50-50, but that it's it's a much more closely contested format of the game than 50 over or tests. Now, arguably, you didn't need to do that research because we kind of knew we that knew just it, anecdotally, but... but, I mean, you're proving... What we need. I think the main, the main point of this exercise, though, was just to pr- was just kind of just to back up my assertion that really you can't predict the the only result you can predict, which kind of in a way is a bit boring. Really. It make, kind of makes the game a bit boring if if you're going to say, well, this this series is going to end up two one, which it more often than not will. I don't know or if that's true all. though, because what you, I mean, you want series to be closely fought, don't you? You'd rather have two one than three nil. That's just much more exciting because it means that the last game is not a dead rubber. Yeah, true. But if it's if the last game that decides the series is just another match, which could go so dramatically either way, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Where, no, I take I, know I take, take your point. Is. I take your point in the sense that if it is just a case that you can, you might as well flip a coin. That kind of renders the whole spectacle a bit pointless, doesn't it? Because you know that's not really support. But I don't think it's quite that. I just think that, firstly, at the moment in this particular format of the game most of the teams are pretty well matched. I mean, in, in Test cricket, New Zealand aren't nearly as good as South Africa. Is it just the format, though, that creates a, an air or a sense that they're well matched because players, a lot of fair, who would be fairly average Test players, can get away with their, their game in 2020 because they can just you know, they can, they can come off with 25 off 15 balls? No, that's I'm absolutely sure right, and you, you don't need as robust a technique if you're a batsman, and you can be a bowler like, um, say, Nathan McCullum, and you know just run up and, and keep it tight and go at six and over, and that's very effective in 2020. He's never going to be a, you know, a particularly penetrative test match bowler. It's also a function of the format that, because it is so much shorter, it's just much more likely that, um, that when you do have less good teams coming up against good teams, it's much more likely that they will pull off an upset because you know over five days of a test match it's virtually impossible for Bangladesh to beat South Africa but it's not impossible in 2020 because as you say you only need one guy to come off or you know South Africa to have a bad half an hour and the game's gone so yeah it's it's just undeniably true that 2020 is always going to be much closer I mean is it it, I mean it's almost though it's kind of almost getting to the point where it's it's just like getting two football teams and just having a penalty shootout I don't know if that's quite true but I do know what you mean and I I I think it's relevant at the moment because the fact that the first game of this England-New Zealand series was 
so heavily won by England and then the second game is completely the reverse. It does make you think, well, you know, how can we really assess these sides at the moment? How can you look at England and work out how good a 2020 side they are when it's so erratic? And uh, and the same was true when England played South Africa last year. The same was true when England uh, played in India. I mean, it, it is exciting in a way, but I, I do take your point that yeah, uh, maybe it's it's gone too far in that direction. I mean, from a supporter's perspective, it makes it very exciting because when you're following when you're following you know when we followed England, you know, watching England win the 2020 World Cup was fantastic. That was it's really exciting when the, there is a sense that your team can do well. Uh, and pretty much every fan in international cricket will have that sense when their team plays 2020 matches. But it, there's no certainty about it, so it is very exciting. And it works really well in a competition format. You know, I think the World 2020s have been absolutely brilliant. Uh, some of the best kind of few weeks of cricket, you know, there are. And that's where I'd say that maybe your analysis doesn't exactly fall down, but I, I wouldn't get too carried away with it because I think it is possible to be very good at 2020 you're always going to be in danger of being upset but you look at the uh, world 2020 in the caribbean three years ago england were the best team in that event and they won the year before pakistan were the best team in that event and they won you could argue that maybe west indies weren't quite the best team overall in sri lanka maybe sri lanka were maybe australia were but West Indies were clearly very, very good throughout the tournament. They, you wouldn't say they didn't deserve to win. You know, it's it is possible to get on a run of yeah, victories. I mean, it's not it's not impossible to do that. It's just obviously true that in any given twenty twenty, it's much more likely to go either way than it is in a test match. I guess it's it's not so much a problem if if you play three twenty twenties. If it finishes two one and all three games are really close, you know, go down to the last over or whatever. Everyone loves that. It's just a bit of an odd spectacle if all three games are absolute hammerings but just going in in different directions and it is also true of 2020 that it's that there are a lot of very one-sided contests because again the nature of it if you're 12 for three it's almost impossible to come back from that so and that's what we've seen in this series so far I mean actually I think in Hamilton when New Zealand won uh, I think what made the difference in that game was uh, that Brendan McCullum innings. As I say, he made 74 from 38 balls, uh, really took the England balls to the cleaners at the end there. Stuart Broad went for 22 off the penultimate over of the innings. And McCullum really got New Zealand up from something manageable to something very challenging in those those last couple of overs. England then lost a couple of wickets early on. After that, they were behind the game. And as I say, it's just it's so hard to come back from a bad start when you've only got 16 overs left. Um, and you will get big collapses in that sort of situation because you have to keep going. I mean, the, the required run rate was already 11. You know, it's only going in, in one direction. If you try and consolidate for four overs, it becomes impossible. So I think some fans were a little bit annoyed with England today because, I mean, at one point they were, what, 90 for seven or something. And it seems like a terrible collapse. But, I mean, if they hadn't gone for it, if they'd sort of tried to consolidate and rebuild... They might have got up to 160 or 170, but they still would have lost. So ultimately, There's it's no pointless. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Also, New Zealand bowled very well, um, it should be said. They, they pitched the ball up, which they also did in Auckland. And in Auckland, it was cannon fodder. But in Hamilton, it was successful because there was a little bit of swing around. And England didn't find that. They don't really have swing bowlers in their 2020 side at the moment. And actually, New Zealand were just good in, in all facets of the game. In yeah, Hamilton. fielded well. Fielding was very good. I mean, usually New Zealand have very high standards in their fielding. It was, a, it was a bizarrely awful display in Auckland where they dropped, I think, five or six catches, including an absolute shocker from Mitchell McConaughey, where he just missed it. It's nice to see that even in this economy, England are still giving opportunities to the work experience, lad. Uh, Jay Dernbach continues to uh, <laughs> to find a place in the team. He actually got a well, few I mean, wickets. It, 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 you know, is it more a case of they exploiting the internship <laughs> kind of the intern? Well, that's very typical. Like, is Dernbach? Yeah, is he on a, like a two year kind of work placement? Boom, Unpaid. satire. Yeah, they there go. it is. Razor sharp. Channel four level. <laughs> Channel four level. <laughs> um, well, he got what three wickets today, but again went at nine and a half and over. I mean, don't want to go into this again particularly, except that I am beginning to suspect that Stuart Meeker doesn't actually exist because at this stage, you know, he's been traipsing around India all winter, apparently, but yet Dernback continues to be picked time after time. Presumably, if there was another bowler in the squad, he'd have found his way in by now, but, uh, but, but Meeker still apparently... Is Meeker, is Meeker on Twitter? I'll see, if he does. I'll see if he's been tweeting. I mean... Then again, Jay Dermak's probably tweeting 
well, from the, a fake Mika account. Well, exactly. I mean, this could be a catfish situation, couldn't it? <laughs> Um, Samit Patel probably needs to make a contribution in the final game, I would say. His last meaningful knock in international cricket was in the first ODI against India, which in cricketing terms is a lifetime ago. And his bowling hasn't been very useful either. In in Auckland, he opened with two wides, uh, which had everyone, I think, thrusting their head in their hands. (laughs) But I mean, having said all that, obviously it remains to be seen what happens in this third game. I wouldn't be too worried about England's 2020 side on the basis of this one performance. As we say, it does just swing back and forth the old pendulum you know again I've seen some people today on the internet being kind of annoyed with the England cricket team annoyed with that performance but you know it's just it just happens in 2020 and if it happens again in the final game maybe you could start to to talk about some of the players in that side but I don't know I think they they played very very well in Auckland and and everyone was bigging them up I guess as always as we know from writing school essays like the one that you've been doing today uh, the truth is almost certainly somewhere in the middle, isn't it? One thing that was notable about the first match in Auckland was the deluge of boundaries. England struck 15 sixes in their innings. New Zealand hit eight. I think England's tally was too short of the world record. Just incredibly short boundaries on that ground. It's Eden Park, which isn't really a cricket ground. I mean, it was the venue for the Rugby World Cup final in 2011. But Luke Wright was just chipping the ball over the ropes at times. I mean, he had enough, didn't he? There were a lot of times he had enough. The question was asked, has he got enough? And the answer was yes, just. Uh, and it, it just about just about clear the ropes. Is that the type of game that we want to see, though? People in the crowd seem to be very, very excited with all these sixes. And there is a perception that that's what the fans come to the cricket, come to 2020 to see. There's a sort of perception that sixes are, by definition, exciting. But would you say that's necessarily the case? Was it exciting to see 23 sixes uh, get hit in uh, Eden Park? It's a, I mean, it is a good question, I guess. You know, if, to put it in football terms, uh, like bringing the boundary and it's like making the goals bigger, isn't it? It's just increasing the, the likelihood uh, and the ease in which you can kind of make these big plays, to use an American word. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. Difficult to say. I do enjoy seeing a good six. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you've got to strike a balance, haven't you? Yeah, and I think this is the point, is I obviously enjoy seeing a good six, but the thing at Eden Park was that a lot of them weren't very good sixes. As I say, Wright was kind of chipping it in the air, and at most other grounds around the world, that would have either been caught or you know would have landed inside the ropes. But it was going for six, so that was just, like very easy to do. And then also sometimes players were miscuing the ball, like which sometimes happens with Chris Gale top edges and it goes for six, but... Even, like, Alex Hales was getting a top edge and it was going for six. And that's the point. Like, monster sixes, like, really clean hits are obviously exciting. There is something thrilling about that. But it's not necessarily that exciting to see someone, to see the ball kind of splay off the outside edge and go for six. I'm not sure that you should necessarily get rewarded for making a mistake with maximum points, (laughs) as it were. I don't know what the thinking is, whether it's, you know, whether they're consciously like, boom, you know, let's... I imagine it's endlessly discussed uh not even discussed i guess just kind of bought into in the ipl uh you know ipl boardrooms that you know they want to squeeze every last bit of entertainment out of it they want as many dlf maximums exactly. as they possibly can so yeah but i don't know what the thinking is uh when these kind of matches are staged and set up whether yeah whether they're they're bringing the boundaries in whether they're picking venues where it's kind of more likely to see sixes i don't know i, I maybe this isn't how they're thinking but i guess in a way it does level the playing field a, sl- a touch because if you've got a big boundary then you know possibly it's only the players like Chris Gale, Kevin Peterson, Brendan McCullum, the the world class hitters who are going to be able to clear the ropes so if one of them you know if Gale comes off against New Zealand and McCullum doesn't and Gale Gale puts yeah helps West Indies put a fairly large total on the board then maybe it's a struggle for New Zealand to get back but if the if the boundary is smaller and every player in the side is capable of clearing it it kind of lowers the standard, doesn't it, a bit? But that's and makes the point, it more. It? That... Yeah, exactly. It makes it more. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it makes it more even. Yeah, it makes the whole thing more it, it democratic removes, remo- in a way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, and it removes the kind of takes the shine off a player like Gale or McCullum because everyone's doing it. Well, that's it. Yeah, there's you don't get any more runs for Chris Gale landing the ball in the top tier of the stand than you do for Luke Wright miscuing one. Are you um, suggesting a kind of dartboard, like archery board style? Scoring system. <laughs> Possibly not. Again, I don't want to go too far with this because Eden Park is clearly an aberration. Like, it, it is a tiny ground. Eden Park is an exception. 
But I think it is true that even at bigger grounds around the world, you're starting to see the boundary ropes just creep in a bit and there are now big gaps between the ropes and the hoardings. And for me, I think it's actually like an existential question about 2020 because you've got to work out, is that what the fans want to see? If it is, then okay. But I don't know whether it is. I think there's an assumption that that people only want to see sixes. I think they actually want to see a balance. And I think that kind of myth needs to be debunked because it, it might spoil 2020 to a certain extent. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's I guess the emergence of 2020 has drawn all kinds of references to fast food culture, that sort of thing. Once the public have, uh, uh, have kind of had their fill of sixes, they're just going to want more and more, and you, you're not going to be able to wean them off, are you? <laughs> they're going to be addicted to sixes. Yeah, but addicted to sugar and sixes. It's a very short-term hit, though, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, and it, you know, but is there a way back once the horse has bolted? But, but, this, but I think that even in 2020 people want to see wickets they want to see it being difficult to hit sixes like if they want to see sixes but they want it to be a challenge like I, I i don't think you know otherwise you might as well make the boundary 20 meters it's just a six every ball i don't know it's just as i say i think eden park was is, is an exception but it it just was a bit kind of after a while it was a bit uninteresting in a way watching 23 uh, sixes get hit the other night as with all things in life i guess I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's moderation, isn't it? You've got to find a balance. Yeah. Give up sixes for Lent. <laughs> yeah. My suggestion to the ICC. Good idea. What have you made of the commentary on these two games? I don't mute, actually. When I was watching that, I watched the highlights this afternoon. Uh, I muted it. I swear to God, Nick Knight is on mic every single ball. <laughs> every single ball. It's Nick bloody Knight. You're a lot like Nick Knight. Don't say that. In what way am I like Nick Knight? He's always reminded me of... <laughs> we seem to be talking about Nick Knight a lot. Uh, I think he's kind of like the new Ravi Bapara for the World Cricket Show in the sense that it's pretty much the only thing that people get in touch with us about now. After every England game, we get a load of tweets and emails and stuff with people just talking about how much they don't like Nick Knight or saying, you know, I bet you were enjoying that Nick Knight commentary. <laughs> I have to say that he is fairly close to insufferable at this point. Is that thing we've talked about this, but every time the ball is hit in the air, Nick Knight's reaction is to go, has he got enough? <laughs> yes. The, you know, the ball's sailing over the ropes and he's going, has he got enough of it? Yes. <laughs> just. Now, has he got enough of it? Yes! Now, that's gone up a long way. And more sixes. I'm not fear. Just not fear. Oh, stunner. Absolute stunner. Flat all the way. No, not quite. Now, then, has he got enough? Well, yes, just... Also, did you see Owen Morgan's catch? I think he got rid of Brendan McCullum in, in the first game. Yeah, what catch? <laughs> well, it was an amazing catch. Uh, but Nick Knight almost did himself an injury when it was taken. Because basically, for anyone that didn't see it, McCullum spliced one up in the air. Morgan was running from backward point um, out towards the boundary. He ended up taking it about 10 yards in from the rope. But he had to look over his shoulder the entire time and he, and he ended up taking it on the run. It was a phenomenal catch, although it wasn't like the best I've ever seen. But Nick Knight's reaction was to go. Now then, that has gone up a long way. This will take some catching. It's Owen Morgan going back. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant from Owen Morgan. That's the moment England needed. Brendan McCullum goes. 
Just just a selection of the tweets that we got. Andrew Hunter. Now you pointed out Nighty saying, has he got enough? It really grinds me. And he says, hashtag wallop. Jack Hansel says, I'll never dare trust Nick Knight again. Sam Piper. Nathan McCullum bowling. Brendan McCullum keeping wicket. Nick Knight commentary. Good. Very good. Good from McCullum too. <laughs> oh, I can only assume, though, that the notes that Nick Knight's getting from Sky are overwhelmingly positive because he seems to be ramping it up like all the Nick Knight things that he the does. Nick Knightisms. He's just ramping up and ramping up. I mean, in the in these two games, the has he got enough is just gone to new levels. Maybe he will get walloped though, and maybe just like uh, Bumble had his wallop wings clipped. Maybe Nick Knight will be uh, you know, told to to kind of ease off on it. That's true, actually. Yeah, and Bumble was told to to calm down with the wallops, which I think he was a bit disgruntled about and. The rest of the world was very pleased about. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully someone will have a little word in Nick Knight's ear. I mean, I guess, yeah, I have a slight sympathy in that, you know, commentating on cricket, you know, there's a lot of time to fill. Something like a six uh, is quite, you know, if you've got to commentate on 25 sixes in a match, you, I guess you need a stock expression. But that's the point, though. I don't think you Maybe do. You do. Uh-huh. And also, this is the problem, is that he just talks too much. He talks all the time. Like, sometimes you just want to see the six get hit and then a comment on it not yeah. giving a running commentary on the ball as it's going to the boundary and as you say like it is a very difficult job and I don't want to be too critical of someone who's just trying to do an honest job of work but Nick Knight is just too annoying not to mention I think <laughs> has he got enough just talking about that uh, lunch we had today at the Crapery where we had some pancakes on pancake day our friend Green was there some listeners may have heard us talking about him on the world. Dr. Green, not the recording artist. You left a bit early today, uh, and after you left, uh, we sort of started reminiscing a little bit about our school cricket team, which usually happens whenever Green is around, because, you know, he was he was on the team with us back in the day, wasn't he, on the under-12s, under-13s, under-14s team. And he's, I mean, recently he's dug up some old photos of a, of a cricket tour we went on, uh, which we've been doing the rounds. Yeah, so he's been posting imagine. these photos on Facebook. This was a tour... Was it an under-14s tour? We went to the Isle of Wight. I mean, long-time listeners are closely familiar with the dismal fortunes of our cricket team when we were at school. On that Isle of Wight tour, we got bowled out for 22. And we thought that that was, you know, the real low point. We'd hit rock bottom. And then a couple of weeks later, we got bowled out for 13. Uh, I think our problem, we were just kind of mentally appalling. Like, people used to go out to bat. And as they're walking out, they'd go, see you in a minute. Yeah, (laughs) there was no... It was... it was a shocking level of kind of ambition, concentration, confidence. Yeah, we were, we were mentally the worst sports team that's ever taken the field. <laughs> what I kind think. of attitude is that? As people are walking out, see you in a minute, guys. <laughs> but uh, one of these photos. I think could... it was the case though that you know you went out to bat, but you wanted to be straight back. You wanted you didn't want to be batting because it wasn't any fun. Everyone was having a great look at the sidelines. Everyone's like like rolling around and laughed, having a, just an absolute world of a time. At your expense, yeah, actually, watching you play and miss again and again. So it's better to be on, you know, back at the pavilion, I eating, mean, laughing. The mental state of that team was just so bad. Uh, and one of the photos that Green posted on Facebook was taken during that 22 all-out in the Isle of Wight. And it just kind of sums it all up, because it's just a photo of the outside of the pavilion. And the whole team's kind of sat there watching what's going on and obviously you can't see what's going on but everyone looks kind of glum green put as the caption which i thought was uh, was was very accurate said uh, it's not often that you see the next man in not only padded up but wearing the helmet as well because <laughs> he's so sure that he's gonna have to be in in a minute and that next man was me i'm just sat there full gear thigh pad chest guard and helmet pretty yeah pretty tragic sight that it's a bit one ridiculous that, i mean one thing that the photos prove categorically is that bloody summers you know that was in june i think wasn't it uh yeah that would have been july yeah july the outfield is scorched brown what's happened to that the sky's blue those are good times man <laughs> there's no doubt about it everything that happened in the past was better <laughs> uh, it was sunnier i just don't understand what's happened uh, another photo that he posted was of you holding a trophy. You've got the biggest grin on your face. I think you're in, like, the departure lounge at Southampton Airport or something. Yeah. And you're holding up this trophy for the camera, and he just puts the caption, almost 100% positive, you didn't win this. No, oh, def- yeah. It was almost, yeah, it definitely wasn't my trophy. I don't know what the trophy was for. Great gag from uh, London correspondent Gordon McRae commented on it, just saying, <laughs> least improved player. I mean, you can't improve on perfection. Well, you say this, I mean, famously, 
you had a run of what 13 consecutive ducks um, so i mean most improved player would probably be more accurate <laughs> gone from no runs to runs <laughs> you can't gone from no runs to two runs <laughs> yeah that's the 200 percent and that was actually the thing because when we got bowled out for 22 like our mental state was so poor and so obviously poor that you know we were expecting to get a real dressing down from the coaches but they were like look you know don't worry about it we'll we'll take your side we'll sort it out we'll work on this but then a couple of games later we got bowled out for about 120 and they were absolutely furious even though we'd had quite a good go but they were largely furious because you'd scored a run and then saluted to the dressing room with your bat Man, it, raised your you back to the crouches. Yeah, we were on our feet. And they were like, that is not good enough. It's <laughs> embarrassing. So, I do wonder what the opposition must have thought at that point. But that was you, bre- that was you breaking the run of 13 consecutive yeah. ducks. But the thing to note about that is that you, you went on that run of 13 consecutive ducks. You were still batting ahead of me in the, in the order, <laughs> which doesn't really say much for my batting yeah. talent, does it? I mean, I, I, I was never in danger of losing my place in the team. I think it was what I brought, you know, off the field. Just the sort of general... Inspiration, kind of inspiration, team building, morale. Baguettes. Baguettes, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about it today, just how appalling our mental state was. And as I say, after we got bowled out for 22, we subsequently got bowled out for 13. So again, the coaches were like, try not to worry about this. Don't be too embarrassed. We'll we'll work on this and we'll we'll figure out what's gone wrong and we'll try and get you better. As it turned out, basically what they did was just never arrange another match for us because I, I, I don't remember us playing another game until much later on in this in our school career. I mean, yeah, we were dropped basically, not individually as a team. As a team, yeah. the team just went off the radar. And they were like, right, the, the year below, let's concentrate. There's on a movie them. script in there, I think, somewhere. But they did sort of initially. They made a kind of half-hearted attempt to work with us. There was this one time where they. They took us into the school sports hall and they sat us all down on the floor. Do you remember this? They sat us all down and they said, right, close your eyes. We had to close our eyes and they said, uh, right, what I want you to do is I want you to visualise the opening bowler running in. And I want you to think about what you're going to do. He's running in, he goes through his action, he delivers the ball and then they turn to our friend Dave, right? Now, Dave was probably the most mentally weak in our mentally weak team. And that's something that continues to this day. He's not grown out of it. I mean, I played table tennis against him quite recently. He was 20-12 up against me, so he had eight consecutive match points, and I won because he just collapsed. So they said, right, you know, he's running in, he bowls. What happens, Dave, when he went? (laughs) I get wrapped on the pads. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they were obviously expecting, like, you know, I come forward with a real <laughs> forceful forward defensive, or like I dispatch it, to, dispatch it to the boundary, and his answer was, I get wrapped on the pads. That's genius. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> the side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. I have two. You got any, Tone? Uh, let me just have a look. <laughs> Just on your phone. Are you on Twitter? No, no. Are you sure? It's on the scorecard. I'm not sure. I, I can actually see your screen from here. It looked distinctly like World of Warcraft. Bit of temple run, you know. <laughs> that sort of thing. So no side notes from Tony this week, but I do have, as I say, two. Show off. This one comes from BBC Sport. Guernsey hopeful of hosting 2014 World Cricket League. Listeners may well be aware that, uh, that Guernsey is where we're based, where we live, where we are right now. Guernsey has a reasonable chance of hosting next year's World Cricket League Division 5 tournament. The chief executive of the Guernsey Cricket Board, Mark Latter, says the island has formally put in a bid to host the event next summer. Guernsey faced Cayman Islands, Malaysia, Tanzania and the top two from Division 6, which is held in Jersey this year. Quote, if all the numbers add up, it's a reasonably good bet that we could get it, Latter said. Guernsey last hosted a world tournament in 2009 when they were promoted from World Cricket League Division 7. Both Tanzania and Malaysia have also hosted events. Cayman Islands has never hosted an event, but has just two cricket pitches, while Guernsey has a good track record of hosting major events. The island has also placed host to the 2008 and 2010 European Division 2 tournaments. Every World Cricket League tournament is hosted by one of the teams that are playing in it, and latter feels Guernsey is the best place nation. Quote, we're one in four and we'd be disappointed if we failed, he said. In terms of the island economy, there's a serious amount of money spent in terms of airlines, hotels, shops and restaurants. It's not, I mean, it's not the World Cup, is it? But, uh, <laughs> but I can sort of see what he means. Um, it's a big event, 
And I'm sure all the players would want to host it as well. So you go, yeah, we could exciting. Act- we'll cover that in detail, I imagine. We could actually go if it's hosted here. Nick Pothos, of course, is the new Guernsey kind of cricket director, coach. Director of cricket. Director of cricket, you might call him. So, yeah, exciting times. Well, Guernsey cricket, <laughs> we're not involved at any level. <laughs> uh, Which is surprising when you consider, you know, our track record. <laughs> but uh, But we could go and watch i suppose almost certainly um this article comes from crick info storm in a tea break it's good see what they did there a whiz move by the ecb's marketing department i like i quite like that opening line whiz move a whiz move by the ecb's marketing department to liven up the innocuous test match tea break could set off a fresh <laughs> round of innocuous <laughs> well, like, i mean what it's a 20-minute break. Yeah, <laughs> people are going to get food and drink and stuff. Just have a rest. It's an odd choice of word, isn't it? And oh, also, yes. they describe it as though it's something that like needs livening up. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, people are sitting around going, God, this, this tea break is so innocuous. It's so, <laughs> so dull. Can't we do something with it? Well, they have done something with it. But it could set off a fresh round of sniping across the Pennines. For the next three seasons, the time between 3.40 and 4pm during tests in England will be called, wait for this, the Yorkshire tea break. Well, hang on, isn't this the, because aren't Yorkshire tea sponsoring England now? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yorkshire tea is a brand of tea and they are now sponsoring the tea break in uh, test matches in England. They've learned a few things from the IPL. Every tea break would now be made, quote, fun and engaging for the many fans of the game, <laughs> a Yorkshire tea representative said. I love- Yorkshire tea get a name check in Homeland. Really? Yeah. Brody likes Yorkshire tea. I don't know who Brody is. He's like the guy in Homeland. All oh, right, one of the characters in Homeland, isn't yeah. he? I like, I like this. That I love bullshit quotes like that. Yeah. <laughs> that is going to be made fun and engaging for the many fans of the game. Slash, it's going to be exactly the same, but just called Yorkshire tea. It's actually really annoying things going on on the pitch that no one will take any notice of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as you say, it's only twenty minutes anyway. It's not, it's not very long. But anyway, fun and engaging, not perhaps for fans of traditional rivals Lancashire. On hearing the news, the Manchester Evening News' cricket writers, true Lancashire loyalists, snapped back on Twitter, quote, Yorkshire Tea have just signed a deal with the ECB to be the official brew of England cricket. Not at Old Trafford it isn't. Old Trafford stages the third Ashes test in August, and a Lanx CCC spokesman said politely of the new development, quote, Of course we will be selling Yorkshire Tea, but we would expect sales of coffee to go through the roof as a consequence. Wow. I mean, tea isn't... a drink I traditionally associate with cricket really in terms of apart from the fact that there's a tea, a tea break, break yeah obviously every day. but I mean in the you know I don't think the Barmy Army are going to be knocking back it's not going to be like a you know teacup snake is there <laughs> going around, going around, the, going around the stands feed the, <laughs> feed the tea snake and it will grow yeah you might not hear that echoing out yeah Nice though, I, I don't know. I like, yeah. What do you mean tea's not associated with cricket? No, I mean in this, you know, no, no, I don't associate with cricket. I've never had tea at cricket. <laughs> but that's like saying, you know, no, I don't really associate like <laughs> Lunch white with... clothes and <laughs> old men snoozing with cricket. I'd say I do. You know, Yorkshire tea. I think more. Yeah, it's like a different kind of sponsor than have been in the like for the last few years. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's been what Investec, yeah, Brit Insurance, but boring, like all these like Eon and stuff. It used to be Tetley, didn't it? It did, point? yeah, it did. Not that long ago, but ten years ago, maybe. 15 well, a bit years more ago. than that, because it was Vodafone for a really yeah. long time. But yeah, like uh, like early and mid nineties, I think it was Tetley. I mean, ultimately, it's a faceless corporation, isn't it? <laughs> Any way you uh, choose to slice it, it's so. got a bit more character, though. Uh, you know, than than yeah, an insurance company. I suppose that's true, but at bottom. It's no different to it's the Max Mobile in... timeout yeah, or no, no, you know, the Kingfisher Fair Play Award. <laughs> like, it's just a company sponsoring an aspect of cricket. But I like that because that's just a classic, that's a classic Kerr thing that you quite, you, oh, I quite like that. I quite like that there's a Yorkshire tea break because you just, for some reason, you like the company Yorkshire tea, <laughs> yeah. even though you don't drink tea. But you're quite into that. I don't that. drink the Yorkshire tea, though. If I do drink tea, hate. it's typhi. This is like this is very similar to how to how you for some reason you inexplicably hate J.K. Rowling. But when we were talking about Dan Brown and saying you know because at least J.K. Rowling, in my opinion, is quite a good writer. I don't. Harry Potter is for a, the record. A, don't recall this good argument. Books. But yeah, anyway. 
But then we were talking about Dan Brown and saying, you know, it's remarkable that he's so popular when he's, you know, not a very good writer. And you were like, yeah, but fair play to the boy. I mean, he's done all right for himself. <laughs> it's like, for some reason, you like Dan Brown. You respect the fact that he's managed to be successful, but you hate J.K. Rowling. I don't think I hate J.K. Rowling. Have you started reading that book, actually? Uh, Neverland. I've got into the first couple of pages. Uh, for those who I've didn't. Had, I've, yeah, I've had quite a busy time of it. it sounds like you're scrabbling around for excuses yeah no i did really i did like a really busy week last week mm. i also had an extraordinarily chilled weekend but i, <laughs> I just need to let my brain rest for, well, for those who weren't listening last week uh tony's new year's resolution was to read a book of week which he then downgraded to to read a book uh and on last week's show i presented him yeah. with the book netherland which is a novel involving cricket and uh you said it was going to take you two weeks Next, by it. next by next pod, I'll finish it. Okay, that's a big statement, and I will hold you to it. Uh, I think maybe that be my Lent thing is to give up not reading books. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the lasagna at a number of well-known British supermarkets, this episode of the World Cricket Show has left a bit of a bad taste in the mouth. It's probably about time, therefore, that we brought it to an end. Do you think there will come a point, Tone, where Twitter gets bored of horse burger jokes? Hashtag Horsegate. Yeah, although isn't there? There's chat about donkey meat now being found there's, so there's a whole, whole new a whole raft of new material a whole new stable of gags there <laughs> hey. uh, oh. it's just entering a new field isn't it that, yeah, very much so of jokes um, I mean you know if you don't want to find donkey in your lasagna uh, you probably best shrek the back first it's <laughs> good eh that's not bad shrek check Shrek the back of the package. Shrek the packaging. That's really bad. <laughs> Even for you, that's extremely that's the bad. the best I can come up with on the spot. <laughs> well, you've made a bit of an ass of yourself today. Oh, right? cheers. Yeah. Do you want to take this opportunity to brag about your Monopoly victory last night? Or? I'm very modest about Monopoly victories. I just added your name to my list of people I've beaten. <laughs> list of victims. <laughs> Took a Polaroid of your face and just stuck it on my wall alongside the other thousands of people who've fallen in the hands of care. <laughs> We, uh, cool. On last week's show, we talked about Monopoly, didn't we? And you said yeah. you haven't played it for years and years. And then, this week, not unrelatedly, we were both invited to a, a game of Monopoly. But uh, but you ended up winning. I had an absolute nightmare. Because, on you know, on the first go-round, you're not allowed to buy properties. And uh, on that first go-round, I got sent to jail. And then I was just, I was, you yeah, know, yeah. I was like England in uh, Hamilton. I was just behind the game. I was, you know, way, I was, I was 29 runway. for three, and I just couldn't get back. Because by the time I got round to go again... Everyone else had already bought like most of the properties on the board, so I was just constantly landing on other people's hotels. I mean, it is a good game, Monopoly, but by the time you get to the age of kind of ten or eleven, I think you realise start to realise that it's entirely based on luck. Yeah, you know, I know. And there's a few things that annoy me more than people who, while playing Monopoly and winning, go on and like, oh, it's this, you know, it's not just about luck. They're like, no, it's not about luck. There's literally one percent skill, maybe, and that, <laughs> yeah. well, maybe, well, there's one percent skill, and maybe a couple of percent of that is just persuading other people in the game to do your bid, like to kind of <laughs> to fold, uh, to like give you the properties yeah. that you want. Other than that, though, there's no element of skill. It's in just it. which properties you land on, and like our, our friend Ali, he's one of the people who's like he thinks that it's all about skill when he's winning. You know, I'd had, I had I was having a nightmare and I, you know, I didn't have any properties. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? There are hardly any properties left. I haven't got any properties. He was like, yeah, it's not all about property, though. It's like, well, it kind of is. If you don't have any properties, you're not going to win a game of Monopoly. It's, no, it is and, just entirely luck. And sure enough, I was the first to, uh, to kick the bucket. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. If you like the show and uh, on the basis of tonight, I wouldn't blame you. If you didn't, but uh, if you do happen to like the show, uh, you can find out more about us, I suppose, on the internet. There's a number of different things that you can do. You can go to our website. It's www.cricketshow.net. On that site, you can buy yourself a World Cricket Show t-shirt. It's just £15, which includes free shipping to anywhere in the world. That's around $24 US and $24 Aussie. Leave us a review on iTunes if you really feel like doing something nice for us. We're hugely grateful to everyone who does that it does massively help us out in our quest in our ongoing quest whatever that quest is uh, send us an email worldcricketshow at gmail.com uh, you can like us on facebook that's facebook.com slash cricket show we occasionally post photos on there what i might do is post some of those uh, photos of our school cricket team that that, that green yeah. has been posting because uh, there are some cool because i'll post that one of you holding up the trophy yeah least improved player <laughs> 
You can follow us on Twitter as well. You can follow Tony at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V. I think I tweeted four times on Saturday. Not, nothing about cricket, unfortunately, <laughs> but I will start to tweet about cricket. You can also follow the show, which is essentially me, at Cricket Show. Get in touch if you've got questions about the show, if you've got thoughts about the cricket, if you've got horse burger jokes, or perhaps if you just want to let me know. Uh, that I look like one of the child actors on the television show Round the Twist, as someone did this week. Did you watch Round the Twist when you were a kid? I loved it. I literally loved it. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of strikes me that you would like that. But saying that, do you remember any plot lines from it apart from the one that everyone remembers? No. <laughs> Which is the one where they pee over the wall. Yeah. No. Not, not, even, not even like a thread of a, a plotline. <laughs> That's literally, any time anyone mentions Round the Twist, that's the only thing anyone knows about it, apart from the theme tune. And it does have a great theme tune. I mean, it's one of the great theme tunes, mate. Have Do you think people will probably say that about this show, though, won't they, in, like, in like <laughs> yeah. 15, 20 years? Like, I don't remember anything about it, but I remember it had quite a good theme tune. I remember the number of people that get in touch with us, like, yeah, I quite enjoy the show, but um, what's that theme tune? That brilliant theme tune. <laughs> yeah. I presume a lot of people just listen so they can hear that song. Yeah, yeah each week. <laughs> Anyway, that's about it, I think. Stay in school, everybody. Uh, keep warm if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Don't overheat, though. I mean, you had a beanie on last night. It was five degrees out. <laughs> I mean, that's balmy, let's be honest. Balmy and balmy. Balmy as in bonkers. Yeah. Well, I'm, I am mad, me. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's the kind of guy I am. Anyway. Right, come on then. Let's go. See you next week, guys. Take Bye it for easy. now. Maybe I might have won when I get home. I don't know. You've got me thinking about pancakes now. Keep us posted, Tone. Be sure to keep us posted. I'll tweet it. This reminds me of you saying that if you had a time machine and you could, you know, you could go to anywhere, any time in history, you'd go back to 1993 just so you could ride your bike around a field. I mean, that's kind of depressing in a way. No, I I disagree. I'm just interrupting. I remember going away on another cricket trip and turning up at one pitch, and our team actually laughing at the, the length of the boundary. Uh, I mean, the square leg boundary must have been all of about 25 yards, <laughs> yeah. and we hit one boundary in the day, and we got absolutely demolished again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And was that, the, was that the game where the other team batted first and uh, kept landing the ball like, in the field over the road? I don't know. And then we hit one Yeah, boundary. we were just hopeless again. God, oh, dear. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.